0: Welcome to Industry Focus,
1: the podcast
0: that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day.
1: I'm your host, Emily Flippin.
0: I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials.
1: Today we're talking consumer goods. Wildcard!
0: Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. It's Monday, June 8th. I'm your host, Jason Moser. And I'm joined today, of course, by my partner in crime, Certified Financial Planner, Matt Frankel. Matt, how's everything going?
1: Oh, just great. It's a beautiful 90-degree day here. How's
0: it going up there? <laughs> it's about the same here uh, in Northern Virginia. Maybe not quite 90 degrees, but it's it's, it's getting close, uh, beautiful and sunny. And um, yeah, yeah, it does feel like summer's here and uh, spring is, we never got spring. It just uh, We don't get spring up here apparently anymore, which is kind of frustrating. But yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's nice to at least have some good sunny weather up here and it does feel like uh things are starting to open back up a little bit. Maybe not quite on the pace that you guys are witnessing down there in South Carolina, but but uh slowly but surely life is getting back to a little bit of, of what we would consider normal, I think.
1: Yeah, I hope they accelerate that for you guys because it's been kinda it's been very refreshing here to be able to go out to restaurants and I could go get a workout at a gym instead of at my in my, you know. Basement. So yep. it's, been, it's been a nice change.
0: Yeah, yeah. Crazier so far, 2020. Maybe the back half will be a little bit better to us. Uh, well, on today's financial show, we're going to talk specifically about real estate investment trusts, REITs. Uh, more specifically, we're actually going to be talking about retail reinvest, uh, REITs, uh, real estate investment trusts, and why investors better not be sleeping on them. Matt, you fired off a tweet over the weekend. Giving listeners a choice, you fired off a tweet with a poll. You gave listeners a chance to vote, uh, and I'll read the tweet here for you. You said, "Real estate REITs have been on fire this past week, and I'll be talking about them with TMFGM on tomorrow's industry focus. Which of these will be the best performer over the next five to ten years?" And you listed off Simon Property Group, which is ticker SPG. Uh, you mentioned Tanger Outlets, uh, which is ticker SKT. Uh, Store Capital, which is ticker S-T-O-R, and Seritage, or is it Sertage? Seritage, Seritage Growth Properties, ticker S-R-G. Now, Matt, I know who I voted for, and it does seem like the majority of folks here, close to the majority, it certainly is the winning vote getter, um, is Simon Property Group. And we'll get into why that might be the case. But let's talk about this first and foremost, just what prompted the tweet here? Right, real estate REITs have been on fire this past week. So, talk to us a little bit about why that is the case.
1: Well, retail REITs—you got to realize first of all—we're among the most beaten-down stocks in the market. In many cases, they did even worse than hotels, cruise lines, and airlines. Um, the reason is they're not a, being a retail REIT is not <clears throat> that high profit margin of a business. Um, so, if you're not collecting rent, you can. Things can go south real quick, right? Um, and we saw as stores were forced to close, especially in discretionary retail, meaning non non essential businesses in yeah. pandemic terms. Um, we saw you know widespread closures. Uh, you mentioned Simon Property Group at one point; at one hundred percent of their malls were closed. Period. Yeah, um, not, like nothing was running. Even if there was an ins- essential business inside the mall, it was closed. I mean, that was that was uh, they, there was
0: nothing they could do about that too. I mean, that was out of their control.
1: Right. Well, I mean, and. They weren't ordered to close down at the time they did, but they were about to be. Right. Yeah. yeah. um, So, um, Simon, Tanger, uh, their properties were essentially all closed at one point. Um, Store Capital, uh, the other one I mentioned, is actually the one that most of their properties weren't closed. Uh, Only about one-third of their properties were uh, closed at the peak. And uh, Seritage, if you're not familiar, not that many of their properties are open on a normal basis because their, <laughs> their whole business model is redevelopment. Yeah. Um, so. And doesn't Ceritage isn't there a Sears connection there? Yes. They were specifically created to buy a portfolio of old Sears properties.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's like, I, I don't know that I'm necessarily, uh, feeling all that great about Sears, even, even in retail's heyday, right? I mean, obviously now it's
1: faced with its own set of challenges. Well, neither is Ceritage. Um, out of all their properties, they own, I think, 220 properties right now, they only have 17 that are occupied by Sears or Kmart, and they just canceled the leases on 12 of those. Mm. So, they're pretty much washing their hands of Sears and Kmart at this point.
0: Yeah. As, as is uh, the rest of the world, apparently.
1: Well, Their whole business model is that, you know, um, at the time when most of these Sears were built, these were the prim- premier shopping locations. Um, I mean, people used to you know get dressed up in their Sunday best to go to Sears in, yeah. in, in the 70s and 80s. So um, the the locations are fantastic, but nobody wants to own a Sears. Sears doesn't even want to own a Sears. That's why they <laughs> created Seritage. Um, so the point is, these are you know top locations that that are huge pieces of property that Seritage is now developing into you know more modern mixed use retail assets. Um, it's a long, slow value creation prop um, you know model. Um, they're not profitable yet. Um, it's it's and I could I understand why that only seven percent of the poll uh, respondents said that Saratage would have been the best performer, but you might have gotten it wrong because today alone Saratage is up thirty eight percent. Wow, wow, so yeah,
0: that's that's uh. That's just
1: <laughs> let me just, let me just read you off this one line of statistics I have. Saratage is up thirty eight percent today, one hundred seventy one percent over the past week. Holy cow! And three hundred thirty percent off the March lows.
0: That's un, and, and that's unheard of. I mean, typically with your REITs, I mean, that's, you know, real estate investment trusts, essentially they they need to pay out most of their net income in the form of a dividend, right? I mean, that's something where, I mean, that's the, the, the crux of investing in a REIT is that you know you're getting a high-yielding instrument. And so the capital gains side of it, it, it tends to be a bit more modest because we know that that yield is there. But, I, I mean, clearly this was not a normal time. I mean, I can certainly understand where investors felt like uh, retail – was falling off of a cliff, and 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 certainly every every stock was was just killed over that over that period of time. But but I mean, from what it sounds like, then this past week going into today, I mean, there there's there's more optimism. I mean, we're getting we're we're reopening the economy here, and that people are able to kind of get back to business, I guess.
1: Right, and you're seeing um, you know better than expected. I mean, the jobs report Friday, just to name one thing. Right. you're seeing uh, consumer confidence was way higher than expected you're seeing um, things like air travel pick up a little faster than people thought it would hotel occupancy um, and just some of these retail reITs are putting out numbers that are impressing investors. Um, Saratage, um, you know a lot of retail reITs are reporting collecting you know virtually no income in April and May yeah um, Sarataj just reported they got 62 percent of their April rent and over half of their May rent and agreed to defer. Meaning that they'll get it eventually another 6%. Wow. So that's actually pretty. I mean, you know, in a, in a normal non pandemic month, a retail REIT that only collects 60% of its expected rent is pretty bad. Oh, yeah. But this is not a normal environment. And when other retail REITs are collecting, say, 50, um, one of our favorites, EPR properties, collected 15% of their April rent, when you compare it to things like that, that's actually a really impressive number. Um, yeah. So things like that are. and. The biggest question with Seritage, why they were priced for essentially an imminent bankruptcy, was a funding question. Um, If you remember, Berkshire Hathaway is their lender. To get access to their revolving credit line, they need to have a certain amount of non-Sears leases signed. They don't have that, so they need to get funding other ways, specifically through rental income or asset sales. And we got good news on both of those, which is why you're seeing the giant move. Um, You know, I just mentioned their rent is much higher than expected. Um, they've actually sold over forty million dollars of assets since the end of the first quarter, which a lot of people thought that you know nobody would be buying retail properties at this point. Yeah. So their their funding questions. I don't want to say that they're answered, but you're getting a lot more clarity, which is why you're seeing that one move so much.
0: Okay, so let's talk about Tanger here for a minute because that's that's certainly a name I'm familiar with. I mean, I think you, you see a lot of these uh, outlet outlet shopping centers. I mean, I believe Tanger is, is one of the names behind those. Um, and and Tanger did receive it came in third place as far as the votes go. I mean, this is 438 votes. I mean, this you know a nice little cross section here. We, you know some 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 decent numbers to turn in there. But at, in third place was Tanger Outlets. I and mean, there was a question that came from that tweet. That you sent out that I wanted to get your perspective on here, and the question comes from Steve Finch, who asks, "What do you think the chances of Tanger going bankrupt?" Um, I, you know, I, 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 given given the rent situation for certain REITs, maybe a week ago, the answer to this question might have been a little bit different. But what would you say to that today?
1: Well. The reason I actually bought some shares of Tanger during the pandemic was because out of the four companies in that poll, Saratage is the only one I ever thought had a realistic chance of going bankrupt in the next year or two. Okay. Um, and the reason for that is it's not about what they're doing today, it's about how much money they have to get through the tough times and whether they're going to be profitable on the other side. Right. So Tanger, unlike Seritage, until this pandemic was a, v- a very profitable company. Um, I mean, their, their stock price had underperformed for the past couple of years. There's a lot of questions about some of their tenants. Um, Gap, which we'll talk about in a second, is a big tenant of theirs. Mm-hmm. You know, all these companies that are generally mall-based and have you know, off-price outlet stores are, are Tanger tenants. So, mall retail, obviously, is a terrible place to be right now. I mean, I'm talking about the individual retailers, it's right. not a space you really want to invest in. So, those are a lot of the companies that Tanger rents to. For the time being, Tanger's occupancy is over 90%. Their, the sales per square footage was actually going up until the pandemic hit. So, it's the business hasn't been doing terrible. And I mean, it's been earning more than enough money to cover its dividend, which is pretty high. It has a lot of liquidity. I knew it drew down several hundred million dollars of its revolving credit facility. And not to mention, as, as this started to unfold, Tanger made a fantastic CEO hire. Um the the son of the company's founder, um, Steven Tanger is is currently CEO. Um, but they just hired um what's his name of Steven? I, I I'll say his last name wrong, I'm for sure, but Steven Yeloff, uh who, Man, who was formerly for me. he was the CEO of Simon's Outlet Division and Tanger essentially stole him away to be their next CEO. Oh wow. Um and no company has done better at the outlet business than Simon. If you've ever seen an outlet property under the premium outlets brand, that's a Simon property. Yeah. Um, they have about two-thirds of the entire outlet market.
0: What do you think as far as – I mean, I mean, obviously, leadership matters in regard to any company. But, I mean, with, it does feel like with real estate investment trusts or business development companies, uh, those are areas where maybe it does feel like maybe you're making a little bit more of a jockey play, right? It does feel like, to me – management matters even maybe a little bit more. We want to make sure we've got management in there who can allocate capital really well. I mean, real estate's a very difficult uh, market to fully to fully grasp. It's not a one-size-fits-all. Certainly, location, location, location comes into play. But, but do you feel like I do in, in that real estate investment trust, real estate investments, those are, are a bit more dependent on good
1: management? Yes. And that's actually one of the big reasons I love Tanger. Um, like I said, it's family-run, family-founded. Um, they went public in '93. They've raised the dividend every year since 1993. They're, I mean, how, how many other retail? I mean, a, a, this year excluded that that streak obviously came to an end in 2020. Oh, I was going to say that could be getting uh, close to that dividend That would have been really Brad. impressive, and, <laughs> and based on the dividend, they would they would be yielding something in the 20% range right now. Wow. Um, but no, I mean, good management is is key. I mean, Simon is also family run. You know, it's run by the founders or the founders' children. Um so management's a big deal that's actually one of the people one of the um biggest complaints I often hear about Seritage because well the manager is a guy named Benjamin Shaw who's doing a fantastic job the chairman of the board is Eddie Lampert from Sears ah um a lot of people don't really care to be involved in a company that he he is a hand in
0: yeah, I mean, I can at least understand that, having followed him, you know, over my time at The Fool and even beforehand as a member. I mean, he he's had a bit of a uh, hit-or-miss sort of uh, track record, it feels like.
1: Yeah, uh, well, it's, that's putting it kindly. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> when, um, whenever I bring this up to fellow Fools, the biggest thing is, yeah, but doesn't Eddie Lampert have a hand in the company? And I mean, he's, he's the biggest stockholder.
0: I mean, I could understand the trepidation there. I, I don't know that I necessarily see that as a plus. But, I, I don't think that's an argument for the bull case.
1: But the other biggest stockholder in Saratage, actually, it's worth noting, is Warren Buffett. Well, um, I've heard of him, mentioned too. Berkshire, I mentioned Berkshire Hathaway as their lender. So, Berkshire Hathaway doesn't own the common stock. You won't find that in Berkshire's portfolio. But when you look at Saratage's SEC filings, you'll notice that the biggest individual shareholder listed is Warren E. Buffett, hmm. who owns a little over 5% of the company, I, I want to say. So Buffett not only feels comfortable lending Saritage money, but he puts his money into the common stock itself. So I mean that kind of helps offset the Eddie Lampert involvement in my mind. Yeah, yeah, I guess so.
0: Um let's talk a little bit about store because I think you know that's a really interesting one. And we did have that was, you know, second place here, store capital. Um, and there was even uh, one of the responses to to your tweet from Growth Stock Doc. He said, "Store is well diversified comparatively. It has gas stations, daycares, etc. In addition to retail type properties, and is a large Berkshire uh, holding." Um, you know, what what about store capital here? I mean, what, what about that has you excited about its its outlook here for the future? Is it that diversified real estate portfolio? Is is it that it goes well beyond just like your traditional mall and retail type? um establishments
1: well store capital is kind of like the oddball on this list i'll say it's a net lease REIT and the the company i would actually best compare it to is realty income which i've talked about a few times on the show yeah um meaning that it invests primarily in single tenant properties actually the ST in store stands for single tenant the name stands for single tenant operational real estate aha uh-huh. um, so store There's kind of a complicated answer to that question, because stores diversification is actually kind of the reason it's underperformed realty income, national retail properties, and a lot of its other peers. Okay. Most of those are occupied by just essential businesses. Think of, say, gas stations, dollar stores, things that have been open during the pandemic. Yeah. In stores' case… One-third of the portfolio is occupied by restaurants, by daycare centers, which have not been open, by movie theaters, by family entertainment centers, by gyms. So, that's one-third of the portfolio. So, they've actually been hit a lot harder by the pandemic in terms of their tenants being closed than pretty much every other net lease REIT, which is why you're able to get it at such a discount right now, in my mind. again I bought everything on that on that uh, poll I've bought since the pandemic started okay so well let's my talk money about where my mouth is
0: you it sounds like you are well, let's talk about the winner in Simon property uh, property group and you, you know you had mentioned earlier talking about uh the the rents and, and the percentages there um we we saw a headline here over the past couple of days here that Simon property group is actually suing uh, gap, the retailer gap over missed rents, and um, it, it you know Gap apparently you know one of its largest U.S. store tenants uh, withheld three months' rent plus uh, you know totaling close to seventy million dollars here. Um, now, understanding obviously very unique time and and, and everybody's been stuck uh, in, in one way or another, and we've even seen companies like Chipotle and Starbucks, uh, companies that are are really I mean in in tremendous positions um even negotiating with their with their landlords to to try to negotiate better better rents here in the near term just because of everything that had to be shut down and the costs that are coming uh from this pandemic here. Uh, Simon taking it to gap here and you know who knows how this is going to work out i, I kind of feel like maybe Simon might have a little bit of a tough time getting getting everything that they want from this but i mean it does that even matter what what kind of a look is that for simon
1: to take gap to to quarter of this uh, i mean there's two sides to every story here yeah. um, first of all i'll say i don't buy for a second that starbucks needs rent concessions <laughs> yeah well, well
0: i mean you're probably right
1: i don't know about you but even during the depths of the pandemic the starbucks by me had never had longer drive through lines so yep. i mean, they they might not be as profitable as they were, but they're making enough to pay their rent. so yeah, anyway yeah, mo- moving on. <laughs> um, the two sides to the story here are one Simon says gapo's rent because they paid they signed the lease. the lease says that they have to pay rent. and most leases for retail or otherwise specifically exclude viruses. If you have to be closed because of a viral outbreak, say like your whole staff gets the flu, that's usually excluded from a reason not to pay rent. Right. So Gap has – and Gap has a lot of stores at Simon Properties, 391 at last count. So they're a pretty big tenant. So Simon has somewhat of a leg to stand on here. I mean – Right. And and according to Simon, Gap decided to close all of their North American stores before Simon decided to shut down their mall. Hmm. So they can't make the argument that if Simon's malls would have been open that they would have still been operating because that would have been a really solid argument. Yeah. Um. You know, if, if it depends who closed first is kind of – I don't know if that's the legal argument, but it definitely, you know, helps Simon's case. Sure. Um, on the other hand, there's also usually a clause in leases that says you're guaranteed access to the property. Um, if, if you're renting an apartment and you don't have access to the apartment, you generally don't have to pay rent. So, it'll be interesting to see how this legal battle plays out. I f- have a feeling they're just going to come to some sort of settlement. I feel like that's yeah I feel like
0: that's that's the inevitable conclusion here is I mean, it's it's hard for me to imagine they don't I can't imagine they want to draw this thing out I mean yeah, especially with the opportunity Yeah the long drawn out court battle
1: yeah the, the long drawn out court battle is in nobody's best interest it yeah. costs both of them money and I mean Simon suing for any court costs but they're still taking the chance that they're not going to win and Spending millions of dollars on lawyers and court fees and things like that. It's just, yeah. it's in no one's best interest. So I have a feeling they're going to, you know, say, okay, pay half your rent for those three months and we'll call it even.
0: Yeah. And then I guess I wonder too, you know, we're talking about <clears throat> all of this happening in the context of right now. Um, you know, the one thing we don't know is will we see some type of um, secondary, second wave uh, that, that puts these, you know, companies. On, on weaker footing again. I mean, if do we see a second wave where these these stores have to close down again? If that's the case, you know, they maybe look back to this point in time as some type of precedent. So I mean there's there's sort of that uncertainty that hangs out there as well.
1: Yeah and I agree. There's a there is a lot of uncertainty here. Um I, I if Gap continues to operate, which I don't I don't see Gap going bankrupt anytime soon. I don't know about you. I, I think they're pretty not. They're in pretty decent financial footing. Yeah, I mean, retailers are struggling, but they're one of the probably better positioned ones. As long as they continue to operate, I really don't see them making a really good case that they should have to pay nothing for those times. Yeah, especially they're they're withholding June rent. In most cases, Simon Simon's properties are open in June.
0: Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, that's you know, it does seem like most things are kind of. Getting back into the swing of things here now and it's only June eighth, so yeah, that's so that that's, feels
1: like the textbook definition of willfully re- withholding rent. <laughs> yeah, maybe reaching for a little bit
0: more than they're than their yeah, entitlement. April here. and May
1: maybe I could have gotten <laughs> on board with, but when they said June as well, that kind of sounds kinda opportunistic on Gap's part.
0: Okay, so talk to me here, then, because this is essentially, you know, you, we, we love to form stock baskets, right? We love putting together collections of <laughs> stocks based on uh, big, you know, long-term opportunities. We talk about the war on cash, talk about healthcare. This is um, this, a basket of stocks that you're, you're looking at uh, following here, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I'm, ca- I'm calling this my retail isn't dead basket. All right. And um, so that's, and you know, we're these- not… Yeah. It's not just these four. I would actually add realty income to there, too, because that's one of my favorites. Okay. um, I didn't buy any more realty income during the pandemic, because it's already one of my big positions. So, that's why it wasn't included in the poll. But if I was going to make a formal basket, since your basket's done so well, so I need to kind of compete a little bit, (laughs) um, I would would, um, do those four plus realty income. So, that would be store capital, uh, seritage growth properties, Simon Property Group, uh, Tanger Factory Outlets and realty income. I would call my retail's not dead basket. All and right. notice that this isn't a bet on any individual retailers. Well, so, I was
0: going to say that's one of the things I really like about this. Is the retail isn't dead, and really, you're looking at retail from a different perspective. And, and I think that you know that there's a good lesson to be learned there, particularly when it comes to investing in that. You know, it, there's there's looking at one market opportunity directly, but then it's also looking at it from a little bit of a different perspective, and the other players in that value chain. And while you know there's a direct name in, in Gap and what they do as far as retail goes, you know there's another there's another party in that value chain when it comes to something like Assigned Properties Group. It's maybe you don't hear about that when we talk about Gap and how they're performing, but. Gap certainly needs Simon uh you know in, in order to be able to support that real estate presence that they have and so it's it's a neat way to to look at uh you know how these how these markets work together and the different players in those value
1: chains. Yeah it's like I'm I'm this is a this is a basket that's betting that you know physical retail in some form will do just fine. Not necessarily that Gap or American Eagle or Abercrombie and Fitch are going to be fine in 5 years, but that the physical retail is not Going anywhere? Well, I like um, Just kind of like the war on cash basket isn't betting that on any specific recipient of cash payments. Yep. You're, you know, you're betting on the the fact that you know, cash is going to go away as a whole. So that's kind of the, the 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 thought process here. And um, I I even even now that all these have rebounded, I mentioned that um that Seritage is three hundred thirty percent off the lows, but the worst performer of that group since the March lows is store capital up by hundred and one percent. The worst performer. That's the worst out of the four. Sheesh. Wow. Um, not since I bought. I, I wish I would have timed <laughs> them all exactly at the lows, but it just didn't happen. Um, store Capital's up 101% from the lows. Simon Property Group is up 119% from the lows. Um, Tanger Outlets, 140% from the lows. All of them are up 35% or more in the past week alone. Um, all right. So. It's fair to say that things seem to be moving along with the economy a lot faster than people thought, and that's really good news for these companies.
0: Well, let's hope it continues and the retail isn't dead basket. I love it, Matt. We'll be tracking it from here on out. You heard it here first, folks. Retail isn't dead basket. Thanks so much for that, Matt. Well, Matt, before we wrap up for the week, let's go ahead and give our listeners one to watch. What is the stock that you'll be watching here this coming week?
1: Um, I am going to watch Saratage just because ah. it's been so fun to watch. I hate repeating <laughs> myself, but it's just been such a fun one to watch. Not just because I own it. If I didn't own it, I would be really kind of glued to this one. And from, I mean, just seeing some of the comments we're com- that are coming in, where a lot of people are. Um, I think Saratage still has a lot of room to go. To go. It's still about, about 50% lower than its pre pandemic level. So, when I say it's up 330%, it's not back to even yet. It's just, you know, slightly less bad. Right. So, I th- I mean, under the right circumstances, if their plans go go right and, you know, their business bounces back, Seritage could be a pretty valuable stock in a few years. All right. So, it's it's one that I've owned since before the pandemic. I added more. And um, it's one of my – it's a great business model. Um, I've written about it a few times. So, I, that's one I'm watching going forward, especially Good over deal. the next week or two. Good deal.
0: Uh, well, I'm going a little bit of a different direction here, focusing a little bit more on the digital economy. Uh, Adobe earnings are coming out on Thursday, and this is one that I uh, have been following for a while now. you know, Adobe, ultimately, is it's a digital media company and just a really attractive business model where, uh, ultimately, about 90% of, of revenue is tied to subscriptions um, which is, is just, you know, we love seeing those subscription businesses. And, and while, you know, the pandemic certainly knocked plenty of businesses on, on their backsides, you know, I'll be really interested to see how Adobe managed its way through that stretch. You know, I will say that when, when we, you know, when the bear market occurred, when all of these stocks were just being sold indiscriminately, I mean, Adobe was one that was tanking with the rest of them. I actually spent. That, that was probably the stock I bought the most of during that bear market. I had always wanted to, to start a position in that company, and so I started a position. I mean, I basically built out my full position in Adobe over that time. Um, you know, I, I feel like it's going to do really well in most any market, uh, given that subscription model and, and, and the reach that they have in that digital media world. Uh, but I'll be looking forward to their earnings report on Thursday to see how they uh, have managed their way through it and what they see the rest of the year holding. Uh, but, Matt, I think that's going to do it for this week. So, uh, appreciate you jumping in here with me. And, and talking some real estate investment trust for our listeners
1: this week of course I could talk about this stuff all day <laughs> well we might just take you up on that
0: <laughs> but for now folks remember you can always reach us on Twitter at MF industry focus look out for the occasional poll you know we're always trying to come up with some new things to vote on there and get some ideas as to what the market sentiment out th- out there is or, or feel free drop us an email at industryfocus at fool.com let's know uh, let us know how things are going Uh, As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Thanks, as always, to our man, Austin Morgan, for keeping it real this week. For Matt Frankel, I'm Jason Moser. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.